98.7 FM. Eight seven FM, Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Okay. Here we go. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap! Because what's a Saturday without sports? FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. Alongside Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry holding things down back at the Auction Community Studios. I'm Mitch Vereldis, and I say back at the Auction Community Studios because, Steve, we are not in the Auction Community Studios today. Not today, Mitch. Today we are out live at Chase Field getting ready for a triple header in the Arizona Fall League starting at 11.35 a.m. this morning. Mesa Solar Sox and the Glendale Desert Dogs will have first pitch at 11.35. So we're going to be here for some of the early action in a triple header in the Arizona Fall League. It's going to be a fantastic day. And if you're looking to head out here, because there's plenty of tickets still available, you can head to MLBFallLeague.com, and you can look for your tickets there. It's a great opportunity to see some of some up-and-coming stars. Jordan Lawler is going to be playing for Salt River later tonight in that triple header. For you Diamondbacks fans, excited to see him. Cooper Hummel as well, who we'll actually get to talk to later today in the show. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably don't watch minor league baseball the way that you and I do, because we're kind of baseball fanatics in that way. We know a lot of the minor league names that regular baseball fans might not. So you might be thinking to yourself, I've been watching the postseason in the MLB. Why is it that I would want to see an Arizona Fall League? Why do I want to see a bunch of minor leaguers right now? I'll tell you why. Because this is some of the best of the best in minor league baseball, and each organization chooses who they want to send to the Arizona Fall League. A lot of these players that you're going to see in this triple header today are some of the best prospects in all the land. And you're going to... You're not going to have a better opportunity to see them than here and now because once they get big and famous on their major league clubs, it's going to be a lot harder and a lot more difficult to see them. So A lot of local ties, too. Yeah. Not just Jordan Lawler from the organization, not just Cooper Hummel from the Diamondbacks. I think J.B. Bukowskis also Former in the Fall League. Sun Devils are here as well. Gage Workman, Trevor Hover, a lot of Arizona high schoolers are here. We're going to get to talk to Nick Gonzalez later today. He's from Vail, Arizona. A lot of great things shaping up here. Again, the triple header here at Chase Field for the Arizona Fall League. Tickets are still available at MLBFallLeague.com. This weekend, Steve, it is a big, big game for the Arizona Cardinals, mostly because it's against their hated rival, but also just as mostly and most importantly, they really need a win this weekend against the team they should get a win against this weekend. The Cardinals hit the road. They're going to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Like you mentioned, a division game. And it just feels to me like the Cardinals and the Seahawks trade victories in each other's stadiums. The Cardinals seem to be pretty good there. They're five of their last seven they've won in Seattle. Seattle does well in Glendale. This game is important, and I think Seattle has surprised some folks. Geno Smith is really impressed. He's leading the NFL in completion percentage right now. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Uh, before opening day. And honestly, the Seahawks' defense might be the worst in the entire NFL. So on the one hand, you're excited to see what the Cardinals can do against that defense. On the other hand, you're looking at Geno Smith and saying, why is that guy playing so well, and how will he fare against the Arizona Cardinals? We never would have seen this coming. I mean, the last time that we saw a quarterback 
play as well as Geno Smith after the start of the career that he had, it was Rich Gannon who won an MVP shortly after when he really took off for the Oakland Raiders. That's true. But And I'm not going to say that Geno Smith is the outright leader for MVP, but he's doing no. exactly what Seattle's offense wants to do. It's kind of ironic, then, that Pete Carroll's defense, as you mentioned, looks nothing like the Pete Carroll defenses that we're used to. Here's what I'm most interested to know about tomorrow's game. We're going to find this out fairly quickly, because if you look at Friday's injury report and what we've discovered already about who won't be playing for the Cardinals on Sunday, the big headline is James Conner and Daryl Williams, both of their top two running backs, not playing in Sunday's game. What does that mean? It means that the Cardinals are going to have to find another outlet in the running game. That's probably going to be Eno Benjamin, ASU product, who got probably his first serious look at running back last week. Uh, will we see Keontae Ingram, rookie who they drafted this year, who has not played yet in his Cardinals career, his young Cardinals career? Who's going to be the guy to step up and take over? Because looking at this Seattle defense, Dead last in the league when it comes to defending the run. This is, and I'm going to steal an expression from a show that I love to listen to, this is the Mario Kart rainbow strip game <laughs> for the Arizona Cardinals offense. Basically, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the rainbow strip that appears when you're driving your Mario Kart that just gives you a big boost when you drive across it, yeah, Seattle's rush defense is absolutely atrocious. Pass defense isn't much better. No. I mean, <laughs> Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill completely obliterated the Seahawks' rush defense. And this would have been a perfect opportunity for the Cardinals running backs to take advantage because the running game has not been up to par so far through these first five weeks. So it's kind of a bummer that we won't get to see James Conner or even Daryl Williams. But this will be a fantastic opportunity for Eno Benjamin, who's really struggled in his first three years. And if you're not super convinced that Eno is the guy or that the running game is something that you're sold on just yet, I would understand that. This is the last game that the Cardinals have to go through without DeAndre Hopkins in this offense. So what does that mean? Could be another big game for Marquise Hollywood-Brown. I would... Put some money on Zach Ertz, if I were you, because Zach Ertz has a pretty good track record against Seattle, and particularly in Seattle. I think that that could be a name that we're really watching on Sunday on the offensive side of the ball. General Manager of the Cardinals, Steve Keim, he was a guest of Burns and Gambo, as he is every Friday at 3 o'clock yesterday. He was asked if he's worried about the state of the running back room. Anytime you're missing a, a guy like James Conner or even um, Williams, I mean, there's, there's some concern, but I mean, at the same time, uh, I have really seen a lot of growth out of Eno, Benjamin, uh, and our rookie. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous skill set, looks really good in camp. So his opportunity, to me, that's what it's all about, is getting an opportunity in the National Football League and making the best of it. But, you know, Eno is a guy that when you watch him, it's, it's, it's interesting because he's got such great natural run skills and he's continued to get better in the little things, the, the pass protection, the screen game, all of the things that come with being a running back at a, and playing at a high level. And uh, again, I'm really excited about uh, Eno and where he's, uh, where he's gone. So I want to ask you, Steve, if this is the game where the running back room breaks out, is this kind of now the expectation going forward or is this the the one-off game where the Cardinals running backs finally get to get going. Well, if the running room, uh, if the running back room breaks out in this game, that sets an interesting precedent because what that means is that Eno Benjamin and or Keontae Ingram had a big game. Are they even the starting running back going forward if James Conner comes back next week? What about if Daryl Williams comes back next week? I wouldn't say that any of these guys have performed poorly. It's just that when you look at James Conner's season he had last year and the number of touchdowns that he scored, 
it's just unimpressive that they brought him back and he's been the way that he has. Now he's not playing. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, if they have a big game with these running backs, now all of a sudden you've got a contest between these four guys, or three or four guys in your running back room. I don't know who they end up going with if Eno Benjamin ends up having a huge game. And I mean, let's not hide the fact that there's a quick turnaround, too, for this Cardinals team. So the chances are that whoever has a big game on Sunday is also going to have a big game when they come back home Thursday against the Saints. And uh, Quick turnaround. I, I hate that. Exactly. And I can only hope that the rushing game establishes itself against Seattle. And when I say establish, I mean is able to maintain that consistency against the other opponents that they have upcoming. Here's another big factor to consider about that New Orleans game. DeAndre Hopkins is back. Might be a quick turnaround for the entire team, but it's most certainly not a quick turnaround for him. This offense could really use a a juice, some juice, I should say, when Hopkins comes back. Yeah, unfortunately, that's still, what, five, six days away. Yep. So, really, what it comes down to is when you're facing this Seahawks defense that we mentioned is 32nd against the run, 26th against the pass, 31st in scoring defense. So, this is the worst defense in the NFL. If you can't figure out your offense against this team... I don't know that there's much evidence to make you confident that they can against any other team. And that's really all that it comes down to. If, if the offense doesn't show up, and we know how much money they put into this offense. They a were, lot. I think I read before the season it was the fifth most expensive offense in the entire NFL. But they were dead last. The Cardinals were dead last in spending for their defense. So far, it has shown. Vance Joseph has actually done a lot more with a lot less than Cliff Kingsbury has with his offense. It's also funny, too, because we're complaining about not seeing Isaiah Simmons get as many reps. We're complaining about not seeing Zayvon Collins really know what he's doing. And then they just plug in a Ben Neiman, for example, and he has a fantastic game. They plug in a Dennis Gardeck. He has a fantastic game. Vance Joseph is working is working very well with the pieces that he has around him, to your point. It is kind of interesting that they're not spending money on it, however. want to remind you that we are out here at Chase Field today. There is an Arizona Fall League triple header happening here at Chase Field. The first one ever in the history of the Fall League. And if you want to check it out live in person, you can do that. Find your tickets at MLBFallBall.com. Again, that's MLBFallBall.com. And we were just handed the starting lineups is how you know that it's real. I see some names on here that I love and recognize, and you guys are going to want to check them out. Uh, Triple header going on pretty much all day long here at Chase Field. And we're going to get some more questions about this league and how it came to be and how this triple header came to be. We're going to speak with Jeff Roden. He is the AFL League Operations Coordinator. We'll do that next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry holding things down back at the Auction Community Studio. Steve and I are live at Chase Field getting ready for a triple header for the Arizona Fall League, which is about to get started in about 15 or so minutes. And we wanted to know a little bit more about this awesome league that's set up here in the month of October through November. And so we're bringing on Jeff Roden, who is the Arizona Fall League League Operations Coordinator, and he joins us now here on the show. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Great partner with Arizona Sports, and uh, excited you guys are here to, to witness our first ever triple header. First ever triple header. It starts here in just a little bit for game one. Um, Jeff, talk us through, for the people who might not know why the Fall League exists, what is its purpose? Who are the players that play in it? Who are we going to see in the Fall League? 
Great question. You know, this this is the 29th season of the Arizona Fall League. And, uh, you know, a lot of people maybe have heard of it, but they don't know what it is. You know, there's some been some big names that came through the Fall League, like Michael Jordan or Tim Tebow, right? <laughs> but uh, there's even some some actual baseball players that came through the Fall League as well. Like oh, that's the, good. The, the Derek Jeters <laughs> of the world, you know, and uh, the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers. Um, but this is essentially a league of all-stars. There are six teams. There are five major league organizations that send players to each team. So, for example, the, the Salt River Rafters, you've got the anchor teams of, uh, of, of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And then we also throw in there uh, the Tigers, the Blue Jays, um, and the Cardinals. So you've got that group that's, that's playing there. In fact, um, you know, the, and the players are selected by their organizations, the farm directors and, and the brain trust that every organization selects the players. Uh, we ask that they send uh, at least four pitchers, and then they can select position players and they can select a priority player we have six games a week so that's monday through saturday and sundays are, are an off day because as you guys just spent the last segment talking about football everybody everybody wants to watch right. yeah watch we don't the, get tomorrow off but, watch yeah. the football games right so um you know we give that to the players and the staff and so uh you know we've got priority players that will play a minimum of four games a week we also have some taxi squad players so on and so forth so um it's it's at six different locations. We've got three West Valley locations for anchors in, in Surprise, Peoria, and Glendale Camelback Ranch. And on the east side, Salt River, uh, Scottsdale Stadium, and then Sloan Park in Mesa. So, I mean, these are the best of the best uh, selected by. And, you know, if you go through, you guys, were, we were kind of going through the rosters before, and these names were popping out at you. And, and if you look at the uh, the games that are going to be happening later today in MLB's postseason, it's littered with fall league alone. I mean, Bryson Stott's the starting shortstop for the Phillies. He was here last year. You know, so the objective for these guys is to make that next step to get onto their 40-man roster. What Most is the of these guys graduation are... rate? Oh, man, great, Do you great know question. I, I don't know it off the top of my head. And, and one of my mentors, Roland Heeman, who was, it was his idea about 30 years ago when he pitched it to all the GMs at the winter meetings yeah. to, to have an Arizona Fall League. And here we are 29 years later. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's something that serves so many different stakeholders, from players to coaches and managers, trainers. Um, and, you know, if you look down right below us we've got all the scouts the scouts are here to evaluate so while these guys you know somebody like uh, a jazz chisholm who was just appearing on mlb network you know as a guest analyst he was an all-star for the marlins but he was a diamondback and played in the fall league several years ago and then you know they they took that information and and they they flipped them to to the marlins for zach gallant so i mean those evaluations are huge for these guys to to see the players play against the best this sounds like an organization that means a lot to you personally why does it mean so much to you the arizona fall league um you know i mentioned roland heeman he's one of my mentors i spent a lot of years um with the white Sox and the diamondbacks and it it kind of roland was there too the first day he came over and i was kind of shaking in my boots it's like oh this this is the legend roland heeman who's you know hall of famer the whole thing and he asked me what i thought i'm thinking why are you asking me what i think you know i i need to ask you some questions so just the spirit of how it started and how it it's a it's an opportunity for these guys to play against the best 
and to show what they have. And it's an opportunity like none other. We have a steering committee of about six different general managers that we run everything past uh, on, on regular on regular calls. And so this is this is Major League Baseball, Arizona Fall League, but we serve the thirty affiliated clubs. We work for all the 30 teams. We're here for them. So we've got the stakeholders. Yes, our fans are super important. They're one of the major stakeholders. But the 30 teams, the scouts and evaluators, the coaches, even the umpires. You know, we've got the umpires are starting to walk out right now. Um, you know, with with all the different rule changes and, and different things, we're going to get to the ABS uh, challenge system. You're going to guys going to get to see that today. Um, and, you know, the umpires are being evaluated, and it's their next step. You know, our staff alone, I mean, we've got former uh, interns that were on the Arizona Fall League staff that are now general managers in wow. Major League Baseball. You know, whether they're a communications person or things like that. I mean, this is this is the finishing school for the major leagues on every level. We're talking with Jeff Roden. He's the operations coordinator for the Arizona Fall League, where we are out at Chase Field today for a triple header, the first of its kind. See, I would think, Jeff, that a lot of these players, they get the opportunity to build camaraderie with their teammates within their organizations in the minor leagues. This kind of feels like the one place where a lot of these players get to know each other across organizations. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool because, um, you know, next week we're going to have another triple header at, at Phoenix Municipal Stadium, home of the the Sun Devils, right? And so, hey, Willie Bloomquist is the manager. He, he's an, a, a Fall League alum, and we've got several Fall League um, current players that we're Sun Devils, right? So you've got the, the Gage Workmans of the world and the Trevor Hovers. I mean, Gage is on Salt River. Trevor's on Surprise. They're playing against each other tonight. So <laughs> right. it's like, hey, I know that guy, right? So it's like you've got new new relationships and and traditional ones, guys that grew up here in the Valley, like, you know, the Brennan Davises, and you're going to have Nick Gonzalez on. He's, he's from Vail in the Tucson area. So, I mean, it's really cool. And plus the just the connections with the coaches because you don't know where these guys are going to end up. You know, they, they might be blocked. A player might be blocked at, at their big league level. Same thing with a coach or a, or, or a manager. And you never know where everybody's going to end up. And for some players, it's not just a one-time thing. For many, it is. But for several players, including Cooper Hummel, it's a second go-around for the Fall League. How, is, how important is it for you guys to have that open availability for guys to come back for a second go-around? Yeah, you know, we, we don't want to limit things. And I think everybody in the world has learned to be a little more flexible and adaptable since the pandemic. So, you know, shoot. A week ago, we had Trevor O'Neill with the Cardinals kind of doing a re- little rehab assignment. Tyler O'Neill. Thank you for No, 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 no. Tyler I just wanted O'Neal. to make sure I knew who you were no, talking you're, about. You're, you're right. I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But like Kyle <laughs> I was Schwarber like, should did, I know who that is? Exactly. So it's like Kyle Schwarber did that in, in when the Cubs went to the World Series. You know, he got hurt here at, uh, at Chase Field on opening night and ended up doing a little rehab assignment in the Fall League and then, boom, right into the World Series. So, um, you know, we're excited. We're at the beginning of the season. This is only the, the end of the second week. We still have six more weeks. Uh, we've got the six different stadiums throughout the Valley, plus the, the triple header next week is another jewel spot at Phoenix Muni, and we're going to have uh, our Fall Stars game. So if this is a league of All-Stars, then we have an All-Star game uh, the weekend of the 5th and the 6th. We're going to have a home run derby on Saturday, November 5th at Sloan Park in Mesa, and the next night we're going to do the Fall Stars game, which will be on MLB Network. The following Friday, we're going to have the play-in game. So we've got six teams, and which teams finish in second and third place will do a play-in game to be in the championship 
championship on that Saturday night, the 12th, against the team that finished in first place. We're pretty blessed here in the Valley to have a major league team with this great facility and, and a team to be excited about right now and that's coming up and growing, a young team. But we don't have minor league baseball. This setting might be a little bit more like a minor league game for a fan. Can you walk fans through what they should expect when they come to the ballpark and what is the fan experience like in the Arizona Fall League? Yeah, great question because um, the access is like none other. You know, we talk about, we do have, we don't have minor leagues, we have the complex league, but spring training is like, hey, that's the prime time to get up and close to the players on the backfields, you know, get an autograph, interact. This is that times 10. Because we've got 1235 games every day, and we also have a 635 game at night. And you can get there. We open the gates an hour before uh, the start time. And, you know, the players are extremely accessible. You get up close. You can sit anywhere you want. It's general admission. And you can also, you know, get that autograph. We want to give you, Jeff, now the opportunity to say any final things that you want to say about today, about the rest of this upcoming season. What are things that people absolutely have to know before we say goodbye about this great organization, the Fall League? They, they need to know this is run by Major League Baseball. This is the best of the best of every 30 Major League clubs, okay? The best players, the best coaches, everything. MLBFallBall.com. It's extremely inexpensive to bring the family. Kids 12 and under are free to every game. Uh, we've got season passes available at a discounted rate. We've got other things. We're doing a ton of uh, exposure through through your radio station. Uh, tremendous partner. But we're here Monday through Saturday, six different stadiums, three games a day. Come out and see us. Come out and see us. MLBFallBall.com. Hey, Jeff, I wanted to say thanks for having us out to the ballpark for today's triple header. Thanks so much for popping on with us, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks All for right. having Appreciate me. it, Jeff. Diamondbacks prospect Jordan Lawler joins us next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Mitch Vereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, we're here live at Chase Field. Just about getting started, this triple header for the Arizona Fall League. It's Mesa and Glendale up first. Scottsdale and Peoria will have the midday game. And then later tonight, if you want to see some of your future Diamondbacks, Salt River against uh, Surprise. That if you want to talk about Arizona-themed, the name of the teams in the Arizona Fall League oh, it's are amazing. It's perfect. The Desert Dogs, the Solar Sox. The river, the Salt River Rafters, the Peoria Javelinas, the Scorpions, and the Saguaros. This is as Arizona as it gets. It's it's three animals that I don't want to mess with, and three and a plant I don't want to mess with. Three features I don't want to mess with. <laughs> hey, this this Steve and I are really excited about this. Jordan Lawler, the top prospect for the Diamondbacks, shortstop who was drafted only a couple of years ago, and he's a member of the Salt of the Salt River Rafters, playing in tonight's triple header. Jordan Lawler is now joining us here on the program. Jordan, my name's Mitch. Joining me is Steve. Thanks so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So tell us, what what came to the decision for you, and how excited are you to be a part of this Arizona Fall League? I'm really excited. I thought it was uh, another opportunity to kind of showcase my skill set um, against uh, higher-level competition. And uh, I was just excited to jump on the train when I was I got the call. Talk to us, Jordan, about some of the camaraderie building that goes along with the Arizona Fall League. Obviously, you've had a lot of time in the minors to get to know your teammates within the organization, but this is an opportunity for you to get to know some of the guys in other organizations, right? For sure, yeah. And then 
kind of observe how the other organizations handle things around baseball, the way they teach um, different skill sets. And then, obviously, it's great to be around guys like Jordan Walker, Zach Dean, uh, Mason Wynn. So what has it been like to be able to have Cooper Hummel around and some of your closer teammates around as well as working with some of the other top prospects around baseball? Yeah, it's good to kind of ask some questions with uh, how things go at the higher levels, obviously in organizations, and then, um, how they handle themselves, carry themselves like a big leaguer. Um, and then Cooper's actually my locker mate in our locker room right now. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jordan, so with this Arizona Diamondbacks team at the major league level, we've seen a lot of young guys come up in the last year alone. That includes guys like Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll, a lot of guys that you're very familiar with. We're now starting to get familiar with them as fans. What has the organization told you about your timeline, your your track that you're on to make it to the major league level? Yeah, I'd say uh, the biggest thing is just kind of controlling what I can control, playing my game, um, and then letting everything else happen. Um, it may be next year, maybe the year after, but uh, that's kind of out of my hands. And all I can really do is focus on improving myself every day, um, whether it's at the fall league or in the off season. And, uh, and hopefully I'll be up in chase pretty soon. Do you have a personal goal in mind of when you would like to make it to the major league level and be starting for the Arizona Diamondbacks? I say we all do, but uh, again, going back to just controlling what I can control and um, taking it step by step, enjoying the process. Jordan Lawler, Diamondbacks' top prospect. He plays shortstop for them. He joins us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Jordan, I want to ask you, because the first year, I can't say that it went really scripted. How long was the recovery for you when you got the injury, and how do you feel now a year later past that? Oh, uh, yeah, I feel great, honestly. Um, really happy with how the season ended up turning out, coming off of the big shoulder surgery. Um, obviously, Corbin had a great year, too, coming off of that. So um, credit to the Arizona Diamondback training staff um, for getting us back out there and healthy and, uh, and allowing us to play how we played this year. And you also got to experience some double-A baseball this year as well. What was it like playing for Amarillo towards the end of this year? It was a lot of fun. Great stadium, uh, great fans, and I uh, can't wait to get back out there next year. Talk to us about minor league baseball life. I mean, you're still a really young guy. You're just getting used to being a professional baseball player. What's it been like for you in the minor leagues? Tell us about uh, about some of the struggles and some of the victories for yourself. Yeah, I'd say some of the victories come in the housing. Uh, this year that came with, the, I guess, the new, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but the Diamondbacks did a really great job of uh, just providing housing to all the players. And um, I think that started everybody off on the right foot and then um, as the season went on it just was learning how to play every day um, integrating into new clubhouses all that but um, overall I'd say it's a pretty great first year um, to experience pro ball. Professionally what kind of goals have you set for yourself now a couple of years in and what kind of goals do you have for yourself upcoming for your third professional season? Mm -hmm. Yeah, say stay healthy. That's always the biggest goal I feel like for any athlete. Um, right. Finish the year healthy, and then just continue to get better. Work on the little things, um, and then just perform. Be a great teammate. Um, help the clubhouse in any way you can. And at the end of the day, you just want to win games. We're talking with Jordan Lawler, top prospect, shortstop in the Diamondbacks organization. Jordan, have you had much of an opportunity to meet and talk with guys like Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo, guys who are shortstops at the major league level? 
I have actually. And um, in the past few weeks, I'd say I've talked to Nick a few times, and he's come out to the field and worked with me um, one-on-one. So he's been really helpful. He's been really supportive, and uh, he's just a great guy to have in your corner. Can you tell us one thing that you've learned from Nick Ahmed? Say, uh, just trying to be smooth. Being um, smooth is quick. Uh, you don't always have to be super fast um, to be the most efficient. So, um, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things he's taught me. Jordan, I'm looking at your stats early on in this fall league season, and I was lucky enough to be able to see a video or two of the home runs that you've hit so far. How would you describe yourself as a hitter at the plate? Do you try to go for more power, or do you just try to get on base as much as you can? I try to get on base because I feel like once I get on base, just like most of our other young guys in the system, once we get on base, we can cause some problems. So um, that's my main goal. And um, Every now and then you're going to run into a few balls. So say get on base, help the team win, steal some bags, do whatever you can. <laughs> I you're, love that. Well, no, but that's a good point because you've got two long balls. You can swipe bags. You can do pretty much everything at the shortstop position, which is a premium in, in Major League Baseball. Can you talk a little bit about that? How you, uh, What does your game look like, and who does it model after at the Major League level? Is there anybody that you compare yourself to? Yeah, I'd say back in the day, you could say Derek Jeter. He's always been the guy I've grown up trying to emulate um but nowadays i'd say trey turner and then even uh, i like to try to watch carlos correa and try to do some of what he can do obviously he does he's one of the best in the game obviously with trey turner as well so if i can do or mirror anything they do i feel like that's a pretty good recipe for success there Jordan Lawler, Diamondbacks top prospect in the organization, plays shortstop for him. He joins us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Last one for you, and then we'll let you get ready for your game later tonight. Take me back to draft night. I know it's a thrilling experience in the moment, but now looking back on it two years removed, what do you remember, and what are you going to take away from that night? First would be just the hugs, all the cheers uh, when my name was announced by uh, Manfred. and Yeah, just all the joy and excitement within that room that was amazing i can still see the smiles in everybody's faces all the sounds um but yeah it was just kind of everything coming to the fruition of all that work i put in for all those years and then uh, the work's still going but just to see all the excitement that's what i'll never forget hey jordan i wanted to say thanks for popping on with us today good luck with the rest of the arizona fall league okay all right thank you guys i appreciate it no problem. problem. That's Jordan Lawler, top prospect in the Diamondbacks organization. He plays shortstop, and he's off to a really hot start here at the Arizona Fall League. Speaking of a hot start, this game just got underway. Game number one in a triple header and a lead-off triple. How about that? Ronnie Simon for the Tampa Bay Rays. He was the first one to take a swing at the dish. And it was a pretty darn good swing. Sent it into that right field corner. You know, it's a bit of a no-man's land down there if the ball gets all the way to the wall. But, again, Narana reminds you that we're out here at Chase Field. There's just... This triple header just started between the Solar Sox and the Desert Dogs. And if you want to see some more baseball games today, be sure to head over to MLBFallBall.com, and there you can find a place for tickets. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday takes you around the NFL. Round and around we go, and we've got to do this quickly, Steve Zinsmeister. So really quickly, if you've never heard us do around the NFL before, myself, Mitch Vareldis, and Steve Zinsmeister. Steve tells you why you should watch this game, and then I tell you who the fantasy breakout option is going to be. We'll see how many of them we can get. That's the important thing. So 
To start, we'll start with the local team, Cardinals and the Seahawks on Sunday. What time? I have no idea. Well, we don't know yet because of the Mariners, but the Cardinals, can they continue their hot streak on the road? They can't win at home, but they win a lot on the road, particularly in Seattle. Seahawks offense has been good, but their defense is the worst in the NFL. The all-time series, by the way, Seahawks lead 23-22-1. Wow. This is very much shaping up to be the Eno Benjamin game. If you don't have Eno Benjamin, I'm sorry, because somebody else probably already has it. Let's take a look at the morning slate. Another NFC West game, the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Atlanta Falcons. San Francisco allows the least amount of points per game in the entire NFL. Marcus Mariota, on the other hand, is trying to prove that he still belongs as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Only a matter of time before Atlanta makes the switch at quarterback, I'm afraid. Right. And because of it, I think that the San Francisco 49ers rushing game is going to have a heyday. But will it be Tevin Coleman taking over a majority of the reps? I don't know. They like to confuse us. New England Patriots and the Cleveland Browns. Battle of the two ground attacks here. The Browns have a top-ranked running game in the entire league. The Patriots are on their third-string quarterback. Ramondre Stevenson is getting a bulk of the carries. I think you're going to see a lot of running the ball in this game. More importantly, is this a Bill Belichick very, very long overdue revenge game? I mean, he's played the Browns a lot of times since he was there, right? Ramondre Stevenson breakout. If Damian Harris is not going to play, Ramondre Stevenson is a beast, and the Browns' rushing defense is duty. <laughs> New-, New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers. If I'd have told you these are two three and two teams, you probably would have called me a liar. Yeah, well, in the Jets, by the way, number nine passing game in the entire league. The Packers are the number two passing defense. So I'm interested to see which of these teams throws the ball better. We know Aaron Rodgers is capable of it, but apparently the Jets are pretty good at it, too. I think this is going to be a very fun day for the Jets, specifically because they love to do play action. And that means that Brees Hall is going to have a heyday yet again, proving to be the rookie draft pick that they expected him to be. Jacksonville Jaguars against the Indianapolis Colts. Already the second time that these teams have played each other. It's been pretty quick this season. Jaguars, number six run defense versus Jonathan Taylor, who I know, I know he's been a huge disappointment for fantasy owners so far this season. But it's not like he forgot how to run the ball. Although his offensive line did forget how to block. The offensive line is in shambles. The Jacksonville Jaguars need an offensive breakout. Are they going to get it? If they do, it's probably going to come in the form of Travis Etienne. Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins. No Tua yet again. I don't know that anybody would have predicted it, but these are two great passing offenses. Yeah. Justin Jefferson has 40 catches through five games. The Dolphins are riding with a third-string quarterback right now. Uh, The Vikings should be 5-1 after Sunday. You can only hope so, and if somebody's going to lead the charge in that category, it might be Alexander Madison if Dalvin Cook is not fully healthy. Cincinnati Bengals and the New Orleans Saints. The last time Joe Burrow was at the Superdome, he connected with Jamar Chase for 221 yards and two scores, capping off a college championship and maybe the greatest college season of all time. I think he's going to feel right at home and light up another cigar after this one. <laughs> Which means it should be a breakout game for Jamar Chase. Also, T. Higgins kind of on the fence as to whether or not he'll play. This is the Jamar Chase breakout game. Much needed. Baltimore Ravens against the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley is officially back. He's got the second most rushing yards in the league. The Ravens also have the number seven rushing offense, thanks to their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I've never seen a Baltimore defense this lost. I mean, usually they're so stout defensively. This team just can't figure it out defensively. It's probably because they don't have Link Martindale. We might be talking about a 5-1 and one Giants team when all is said and done. And if we are, I think it's probably going to be because of Saquon Barkley. I mean, look Look at how well he's played. This is the dude that they drafted number two overall when they did. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the game that shouldn't be close. Kenny Pickett was two years old when Tom Brady was drafted by the Patriots. Wow. One guy's been doing
doing it a lot longer than the other. Also worth noting, T.J. Watt remains out for the Steelers, so mm-hmm. defensively it's not like they got much going for him. The Bucks will get to the passer, but the Steelers just won't. I have some ridiculous faith in the Steelers' passing attack because Kenny Pickett can throw, and he has thrown for over 300 yards against the Buffalo Bills, no less. Most of it was because they were down by a lot, but if he's going to throw, he's going to throw to wide receiver George Pickens. Carolina Panthers and the L.A. Rams. The Panthers had the worst offense in the entire NFL, and it's just going to get worse because P.J. Walker is starting in place of Baker Mayfield this week. The Rams will get back on track here despite having one of the worst offenses in football in the entire season, and I I don't know who would have predicted that. Look, for a defending Super Bowl champ, it looks like they've completely lost their way, and I don't I don't know who's going to help them get right because the rushing attack's not working. Cooper Cup is literally doing everything he can, but Matt Stafford has not looked great. Offensive line keeps collapsing. So as far as a fantasy breakout, is this the P.J. Walker game? Uh, like, is P.J. Walker just going to show out and show up his stuff? I well, don't know. remember last year when P.J. Walker showed up, it was in Glendale. And who had the big game? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. <laughs> so just saying. The, is this the Cam Newton game? I don't think so. I don't even think he's on the team. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to strike that one. I'm not really super confident in anybody having a fantasy breakout in that game, other than Cooper Cup, and Cup was a first-round pick. It doesn't seem fair. Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, are we spoiled. Yeah, this is my game of the week easily. The last two matchups were both in the playoffs, including the AFC title game a couple of seasons ago. Uh, The top two scoring offenses in the NFL, plus Buffalo has the top scoring defense in the NFL. Every great rivalry has some back and forth. Right now, it's the Bills' turn. I think the Bills have this. Just like on a base note, I think the Bills have this one. They're upset about the playoff game. They're upset about never getting to touch the ball in overtime. Plenty of other things. I think the Bills have this one. And Josh Allen's going to have a heyday. And Josh Allen is going to find a wide-open Stephon Diggs several times. He's going to find a wide-open Gabe Davis several times. And the rushing attack is going to keep things balanced. It won't be the feature, but it'll keep things balanced. So I like Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis in this one. Sunday night, man, you talk about spoiled in the AFC. How about spoiled in the NFC? The Dallas Cowboys taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are the last undefeated team in the league. We unfortunately know that because of what happened against the Cardinals last week. They've got the number two offense and the number four defense. Pretty good pairing right there. The Cowboys are struggling to find an identity on offense, although Cooper Rush has led them to four straight wins. And that defense, oh my lord. Let me tell you, the battle for the NFC East starts right here tomorrow on Sunday. Cowboys versus Eagles. And coming into the season, we all would have thought the AFC West was the juggernaut division. Uh, No, we were mistaken. It is the NFC East. There is literally a combined two losses between the top three teams in that division. uh, We're talking Broncos Chargers now? Unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say, because I don't want to talk crap about your team, Mitch. But No, no, no. Feel free. All right. Give me all the crap in the world. I'm ready. I, I have a feeling the Broncos fans might have buyer's remorse with Russell Wilson right now. He's just throwing a bunch of ducks. I mean, they thought they were getting the missing piece to a championship team, but it looks like their star quarterback, he was labeled a poser on NFL Network last week. I think that means something. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert, by the way, continues to be impressive with the second most passing yards in the league, all while battling through injuries. What fascinates me is that this Denver offense just can't put it together, and whether that's entirely Russell Wilson's fault... It probably is, but there's just as much blame on the coaching staff and all that or other. I will say this, though. The defense continues to look like a Denver Broncos defense as of many years ago. 
Does that mean they can stop the Chargers' offense? I don't know. They might be down Keenan Allen. They might be down Mike Williams. This might be a struggle fest for the Chargers and in a stadium where they can't really claim home field advantage, even though it is their home field. It amazes me. I don't like a fantasy pick in this one either. I really don't. That's that's three games. Or like, two I games. refuse. I refuse. Just like the Lions, Titans, Raiders, and Texans refused to play this week. Rather, they were told not to play this week. Yeah, this is our first slate of bye weeks. So, apologies if you have Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry, or Damian Pierce, who's had a great past couple of weeks for the Texans. It'll be interesting to see. And then, I'm sorry if you had to watch Commander's Bears on Thursday night. Ugh. But... You know, you did that to yourself. That is Around the NFL. When we come back, we're going to talk more about why we're here at Chase Field today for this Arizona Fall League triple header. We're going to talk to Arizona's own Nick Gonzalez. He's a member of the Pirates organization. He joins us next on Arizona Sports Saturday.